Y'all are singing loud. Sounds great. Um, so, so we're finishing up the Exodus series tonight. And I don't know how long we've been in it. We've been in it for a while. And then next week, we're starting a series called It's Not a Suggestion. We're going to do it for two weeks. And after that, we got the whole Easter thing. Um, and then after that, we're, we're, we're going to do the relationship series that we're going to do in January. And uh, I, would, I would tell you the reason we're going to do it. Um, I, long story short, God spoke to me in a very clear way and told me we needed to do it. But I got mad. But I can't talk about it yet because I hadn't calmed down enough to be able to talk about it. Does that make sense? All right. So, so tonight, tonight we're going to wrap up Exodus. And, and we've saved the best. I think we've saved the best for last. Now, we did not even scratch the surface on, on all the good stuff that's in Exodus. But tonight... I'm going to wrap it up, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Let me, let me kind of do a quick review, um, or let me just kind of lead in like this. I, I know there's a lot of people in our church, because I meet them every week, that relocated to South Carolina from uh, communist California, um, or they fled New York, um, they got out or whatever. And South Carolina, depending on what list you're looking at, we are either number three, four, or five in the states that people choose to relocate to. And so... I need to teach you a couple things about South Carolina so you understand our culture a little bit because if you don't understand our culture, you can get offended or get mad and we're not trying to make you mad or offend you. It's just who we are. Now, I'm 51 years old. I'm 51. If you're around my age, in fact, if you're my age or older, this is, this is 100% true for you in the room. Um, I'll turn 52, by the way, on June 24th and, I, and, and you will meet people that say, don't get me anything, get me something. <laughs> Spend a lot of money. I love gifts. I'm just going, I, I'm unashamedly, get me something nice. So June 24th, nobody wrote that down. You need to write that down. So, so and if you're like 10 or 15 younger, this, the years younger, this could be true for you. It's not as true for, for like teenagers today, I guess. I don't know. But if you're from the South, you got, or you're not from the South, you got to understand the two things we say often are yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And this is not... I called somebody a ma'am a couple weeks ago and she got mad at me because um, she thought I was calling her old. And, and she's like, I'm not old. And I said, I didn't say anything about your age, ma'am. She said, you did it again. I was like, and I did, I was like oh, oh, you're, I said, I just say ma'am. It's just, um, I've got the fear of God and my mom inside of me. And so and that's what she taught me. She taught me how to say, yes, ma'am. And, and, and we do this in the South, am I right? But we don't, they don't do it in other parts of the country. When I was in the 10th grade, I had to move to California because my dad lost $20,000 on football games to a bookie and he couldn't pay him. There's a whole fascinating story that goes along with that. I'll tell it another time. But I got to go to school in California um, and I was in the 10th grade in science class and the teacher asked me a question and I said, yes, sir. And his face got beat red. And he pointed his finger at me and said, don't you ever disrespect me again. And, I, and this was, listen, this is in the 80s. This was before men thought they were women and women thought they were men. We had no gender confusion at all. And I was, I was like, what did I do? And the guy next to me said, you called him sir. I was like, well, he's a dude, you know? And so after class, I had to go up to him and explain to him, I wasn't trying to offend you. I was calling you that's, that, that's who we are in the South. We say, yes, ma'am. We say, yes, sir. Another thing that we say most of the time, um, once again, it's not as common today, but one of the things that we say is we say, thank you. 
And this is, this is good. Uh, if somebody does something nice for you, it's just polite to say thank you. Am I right so far? Okay, good. So when I, I was at a restaurant recently and the server came and she was pouring my glass of water and I was like, thank you. And I'd been sitting there for about an hour and she told me, she said, you know, I get, I get paid to do, you don't have to thank me every time I, I fill up your, your water. And I was like, well, thank you for telling me that. Um, but I, like, it's just a, it's a habit, right? I just say, I just say thank you and, and I can't help it. And, and most of us in this room, all of us, have, have said that to somebody, thank you. Um, and we can count the number of times. Like if you say thank you at Chick-fil-A, they say, my pleasure. Yeah, exactly. And so sometimes we, we count the number of times we can make them say my pleasure. Not that I've ever done that, 14. But not that I've ever done that and counted, but I'm just, I know some people. All right, so, so thank you. Now this, these two words right here are, incredible, are incredibly powerful when it comes to our relationship with other people. But they're even more powerful in our relationship with God. Tonight, I'm gonna to talk to you about, um, as, and I've heard it put this way, this is not my, I didn't come up with this on my own, the attitude of gratitude. Because gratitude, as a follower of Jesus, is our secret weapon. Gratitude, listen, if you have a mind that is full of gratitude, you have no room for anxiety. You have no room for depression. You have no room for worry. You have no room for fear. Gratitude pushes all those things out. And I think one of the problems, in fact, I know this personally in my own life. One of the reasons I get so freaked out and full of fear sometimes is I forget how faithful and how good God has been. And this is a story that happens over and over and over in the book of Exodus. Now, I just wanna pause and, and say, I, at the beginning of the series, at the very first sermon, I said that many of us would say, or we have said, if I could go back and see things that happened in the Bible, then I would believe God because I would see those things. But remember, we said the only problem with that is the people in the Bible saw the things and still had a hard time believing in God. I was reading about that this morning. So let's, re let's review, and this is not a conclusive list, but let's just review some of the things that the Israelites saw God do. Now, they were in slavery, right? They've been in slavery for 400 years, and then God started moving. And the first thing we're gonna look at is they saw 10 plagues and were completely delivered from slavery in 40 days. They, they saw... God systematically tear down every single Egyptian god and goddess and prove to everybody that there was one God and he was all powerful and they saw it. Now, they didn't see it immediately. It happened over 40 days because remember, we've talked about the process. We gotta be committed to the process. And over 40 days, they saw God move in ways that they, had, they hadn't seen him for 400 years and all of a sudden he showed up and when God showed up, like nobody had to go, well, I want, that was kind of special. I wonder what that was. He, he left no doubt. And then after that, um, they plundered the Egyptians. Now I hadn't really got to preach about this, but God told them, when you, when you leave slavery, I'm on your way out of Egypt, ask all the Egyptians for their silver and gold. And the Egyptians were so freaked out, they just gave it to them. So, so they were delivered from slavery and they were dripping as they were walking into the desert. If you don't know what dripping means, ask a teenager. They'll let you know. I picked that up. Somebody told me one time I was dripping and I was like, um, I, okay, I, I'm, I don't have that problem yet. After that, 
They saw God's protection in a pillar of cloud and fire. Now, once again, they're leaving Egypt and Pharaoh discovers, you know what? This is a bad day. Our economy's crashed. Our government's falling apart. I've changed my mind. Let's go get the Israelites. And so they get horses and chariots and the Israelites, they don't have horses and chariots. It would be like an army today with spears and swords going up against tanks and planes. It was just not gonna be good. And so God moved between the Egyptians and the Israelites with a pillar of cloud so they couldn't see each other. And at night, that pillar of cloud turned into a pillar of fire. And they had no doubt that God was protecting them. I and mean, when you see a pillar of fire, you're like, okay, okay, he's working, he's moving. I'm, I'm gonna be honest, I've never seen a pillar of fire. And if you have, um, tell somebody, but not me in the first timers area. They watched God part the Red Sea so they could cross. Now think about this. There's over a million of them, over a million people. And the Egyptians are here and the Red Sea's here. And they're like, what do we do? And God led Moses to put his staff and he parted the Red Sea. God put an interstate highway through the Red Sea and all one million of them walked across. This is, this is called God will make a way. When there is no way, like there's no way and God goes, oh, I'll make a way. And he just made a way through the Red Sea, right? And then they get on the other side of the Red Sea and the only problem was the Egyptians were coming after them. And so, so they witnessed God destroy their enemies. Like the Egyptians get in the middle of the sea and God was like, you know what? I Just closing shop. And all the water came in on Pharaoh and drowned his entire army. Now you would think with a list like this that they knew God was on their side, right? Am I right so far? I mean, if, if you're looking, th these are what we call miracles. And in Exodus 15, in Exodus chapter 15, they break out in, it's called a song of deliverance. They have a praise break. There's some charismatics there with some tambourines and ribbons. They're going nuts. It is an amazing. But in the very same chapter, keep this in mind, after they had seen God do all these things, I want you to watch what happens. Check this out. Same chapter, Exodus 15. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. I've learned that you can make people thirsty just with the power of suggestion. I love a good drink of water. This is water, by the way. Got to clarify because vodka has no smell. Somebody told me that. I had no idea. Somebody asked me one time, why don't you have the labels on the water bottles? It's very simple. And y'all think I'm making this up. But some Karen on the internet will be like, I can't believe you're drinking Dasani. I can't believe you're drinking Aquafina. I'm like, I can't believe Karen, you're watching our service. By the way, if your name really is Karen, I'm so sorry um, that your mom stuck you with that name, all right? But they wanted, they're, they're going in the desert and they got no water. Now, I just, I just wanna point something out. This is a problem. It's a legitimate problem. 
This, like, if you're in the desert, the one thing you need to survive is water. It doesn't matter what your economic status is, doesn't matter what your wardrobe looks like, you can die well-dressed and dead in the desert if you don't have water. Water is essential for, for their survival. So we, we can all agree that they have a significant problem in front of them. Yes or no? Yes, okay. Here's, 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 here's what reality is though. There are people in this room, you have significant problems in front of you. I'm not gonna downplay your issue. I'm not gonna downplay your problem. You have a significant problem thing that you're staring down. You're staring at this thing and it's a significant problem. But here's what I want you to understand. If you don't hear anything else I say tonight, I want you to hear this. The miracle that God wants to do in and through you is in direct proportion to the problem that's in front of you. So the bigger your problem, the more potential you have to see God work a miracle. Now, how many people in the room, be honest, be honest, you're in church. If you're watching something on Netflix or if you're watching a movie, you, you talk to the people on the screen, okay? Raise your hand, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shannon does, I don't. Shannon, Shannon makes best friends with, with the people on the show. She's best friends. And, uh, and I make fun of her for doing that, but then she'll make fun of me because I don't talk to the television. Um, I talk to my computer. If I'm reading something, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing in the world. She's like, what are you doing, talking to your computer? Um, and so it's, it's kind of fun. But th this, is a, this is a serious problem, and you want to look at them and go, guys, guys, it's going to be okay. Think for a minute. What if they would have stopped and said this? We've got no water, and that means we could die, and that's a problem. But God, thank you for setting me free from slavery, and thank you for providing for me when I had nothing. And thank you for your protection with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And thank you for defending me and thank you for fighting me. And I don't, I don't know what's over here, but God, you've been so faithful over here. I just got to believe this next step is another step where you're gonna work a miracle. What if they would have done that? But they didn't and neither do we. We forget, don't we? We have short-term memory loss. Watch what happens. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which I'm like, that's stupid because it was already called Mara, but they called it Mara, which means bitter. Do you know any, you know any bitter people? Let me tell you something. Bitterness and gratitude can't occupy the same space. Bitterness and gratitude can't occupy the same space. The battle is for our minds. And if our minds are full of bitterness, they can't be full of gratitude. So they're at a bitter place and they're freaking out. Watch this. Then the people complained. <laughs> You're gonna see a theme. The people complained and turned against Moses. What are we gonna drink, they demanded. They're freaking out. Convinced that God brought them this far just to watch him fail. And, and Moses cried out to the Lord for help, which is the best leadership advice in the Bible. Just if you don't know what to do, cry out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Can you imagine? Because they had seen Moses with a piece of wood before. The last time they saw him with a piece of wood, it turned into a snake. 
So Moses walks over, picks up a piece of wood, and they're like, I mean, we're good. We don't have to have any water. And he walks over to the water, and the Bible says Moses threw it in the water, and this made the water good to drink. I love that, just the imagery. So piece of wood, piece of wood, piece of wood. Where do we see a piece of wood in the New Testament? Could it be, I don't know, the cross, and the cross represents Jesus, and Jesus makes something bitter into something sweet. He takes old and makes it new. He brings death and brings it back to life. I love the scriptures. They're so good. And, and God provided water, listen, for over a million people in the desert. And you would think, now y'all got it. Now you know. God's got you and he's never gonna let you go and it's gonna be great, right? Wrong. Because in the very next chapter, the very next chapter, the whole Israelite, the whole community of Israel sat out from Elam and journeyed in the wilderness of sin, which there's a whole list of sermons there between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So think about this. They had been set free and they had walked with God for about a month. Now I didn't share this this morning because I forgot, but during the day he would guide them with a pillar of cloud and at night he would guide them with a pillar of fire. So you, they had no doubt as to what direction they needed to go. They had no doubt as to what they needed to do. They were, they were following God and he led them to this place. So they've been, they've been walking toward the promised land and away from slavery for about a month. They got delivered. They went through the Red Sea, which symbolizes baptism. Now they're getting to Mount Sinai where God's gonna teach them how to live before they enter the promised land. It's just a beautiful arrangement. And you would think that everything is good, but no, this is, these are the Israelites, also known, they're, they're closely related to the Baptists. You'll see it in just a second. There too, the whole community of Israel complained. Complain. What y'all got to complain about? Y'all seen God do a, what, what is the, what is the problem? And then I read the next verse and it's, I mean, I can see it. It's legit. If only, watch this. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. Pause. You know, do you know anybody that's just dramatic about everything? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't, no, no, don't, don't point. I'm just saying that there are people in this world that they will take the smallest situation. Oh my God. They just, they're so dramatic. That, they're going, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. There we sat around with pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Extreme? Okay, there's a couple things I want to point out about this verse. First of all, um, that... They See, when we start walking with Jesus and we get to a certain place, the enemy is going to try to get us to glorify where we came from. Because they said, when Egypt, we sat around with pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Yeah. And you had whips and chains and you were beaten ruthlessly and they killed your children. Yeah, they forget. Yeah, yeah, but we had... See, the enemy always wants us to glorify the past. That's why, I'm, I swear, you'll, you'll meet a lady and she gets in an abusive relationship and she leaves the guy and you're like, good. She, and then she goes back to him. Why'd you go back? Well, he's good to me and he only hits me when he gets drunk. When's he get drunk? Every day. Okay, well, that's, okay, that's not good. 
That's what'll happen with an addict. We will get to a certain place and we'll go, I'm not certain what today's gonna hold, but I know how I felt back there. And we will glorify feeling high and we will forget about the withdrawals and the broken relationships and everything it cost us. They're glorifying the past. It, was, it wasn't that bad in slavery, and it was. Or you wouldn't have wanted to get out so bad. Now, I get being hungry. They, they were hangry. You ever been hangry? I got hangry this week. I had some medical tests on Tuesday, and the, they were setting it up, and, uh, and they said, you can't have anything to eat until after these tests. And I said, well, we need to get these tests done as soon as possible. I said, how about like five o'clock in the morning? Y'all open? They said, no. I said, what's it going to take to get y'all to open? Because I got, I, when I get up in the morning, I got to have my coffee. I got to have coffee. I got to have something to eat. I got to have something to eat. Some of these, I'm in intermittent fasting. I fast when I sleep. That's the only time I'm fasting because I'm awake, I'm eating. And I got my first test at like eight and I got my second one at 9.30. You can ask Shannon, she'll tell you, I was hangry when I, I, I had my hat pulled down. I didn't want to see anybody. Pastor B, how you doing? I'm, it sucks, my life sucks right now. I mean, that's, that's how I would have been. And we left and we went to Chick-fil-A and I just started ordering stuff. Give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that. Because when, it, listen, when I show up somewhere to eat, I'm ready to eat, hello. If we ever go out to eat and they put the menus down in front of us, you better freaking know what you want. I'm not there to fellowship with you. I'm there to eat. You better look at the menu. We'll talk after we order. And don't ask stupid questions. Don't ask stupid, oh, oh, tell me about the chicken. It's chicken, all right? I don't care if it's range-free or if it was in a cage. Half of my family spent time in the pen, so I, I can identify with that chicken. I get it. So they're hangry. Sometimes this is like therapy. You just gotta, gotta let it go. Let it go. Now you would think, you would think that they would stop and say, we, we obviously have a, a food problem, but remember guys, when we didn't have water, he, he provided water to over a million people and he protected us and he delivered us. And he, remember all those things he did? Let's just stop and thank him for what he's done because if we can thank him for what he's done, we're not freaked out about this next step, even though we don't know what he's gonna do. I know what God's, no, no, we don't, we don't. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So watch what God does. This is crazy. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. And every single day, God rained down something called manna, bread from heaven. And there's somebody here tonight, you're like, I'm gluten-free. Okay, you would have died because that's all you had. You had bread. That's all you had. No gluten stuff in the Bible. I'm sorry. God just gave you bread from heaven. And every day, can you th think about this for a second? Every day, you would wake up in your tent, you would walk outside, and you would have enough food to feed you and your family every single day. 
every single day, you're reminded of the faithfulness of God every day. That's when, when Jesus is teaching us the Lord's Prayer and he says, give us this day our daily bread, that's what he's referring to. Every single day, God's gonna give you what you need to get through that day. Every single day. You would, you would think that this would be something, you would think that this would be something you don't get used to. Every day you walk out and you're just, God, thank you, you did it again. Thank you, you did it again. And by the way, this wasn't God's permanent plan. This was God's temporary plan to get them out of the desert and into the promised land. Now God told them several times, when you get to the promised land, there are seven nations in that land that are bigger than you, they're more powerful than you, they have cities, they have weapons, but they, have some, they don't have something that you have. You have me. God said, I am with you. And you will go into that land, you will win every battle, you will fight some fights, but you will win every fight because I am with you and I am for you. And if I'm with you and if I'm for you, nothing or no one can stand against you. And you would think they would be like, well, I mean, all right then because you did the thing with the Red Sea and you, you knocked out all the Egyptian gods and, and the water and the bread. But nah, it, it got crazy. And we're gonna skip Leviticus because, because it's Leviticus. <laughs> they kill a lot of goats in Leviticus. And uh, so we're gonna go to Numbers 11, the foreign rabble who are traveling with the Israelites begin to crave the good things of Egypt. You gotta, you gotta watch who you hang out with. You know, the, the foreign rabble. And anytime I talk about that, you gotta watch who's influencing you. Somebody always pulls me aside after the service and says, I'm so glad, I hope, I hope, the, I hope the teenagers heard that. But one of the things you gotta understand about teenagers is most of them have to learn how to be hypocrites from their parents. Okay, I'll move on, I'll move on, I'll move on. I, mean, I didn't get a lot of amens there, but that's fine, that's fine. They began to crave the good, what? Okay, let me ask you a question. If you're an Israelite, what good thing did you have? And he just, watch this. And the, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. Now, I kinda get that. I mean, the bread, but like every once in a while, you want a steak with your bread, right? And, and, and then they go on and say this, we remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. Time out. Guys, it wasn't free. You were in chains. You were in bondage. You were beaten. You're willing to give up your freedom for a piece of fish? Really? But let's be honest. A lot of us in this room have walked back for something a lot less than a piece of fish. I'm not, I'm not preaching at you, I'm, I'm with you. I just wanted some fish. And then, <laughs> I don't know where this list comes from, but they just started they just started naming stuff. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. Okay. You had all the beatings and the chains that you didn't want. But we, we will give up 
so much. And, and they're right on the border of the promised land, about to go in. And so it goes on to say, but now our appetites are gone. Hold on. All we ever see is this manna. Can you imagine that? Somebody complaining about a blessing from God. You asked God for it, he gave it to you, and now you complain. Let's make it practical. You ask God for that spouse, and now you complain. Let's get more real. You ask God for those kids, and now you're like, dear God, why, why these kids? Why these kids? Why these kids? You ask God for the job. Now you, see, isn't it funny God will give us what we ask for and then we complain? Just, just like them. They're complaining about a miracle that happens every day. Isn't that insane? But we do the same. We, I am so guilty of the very same thing. So Moses is like, all right, we have got to get in the promised land. These people are going crazy, about to drive me up a wall. I mean, if you read through the Old Testament, God was either, God was either talking Moses out of killing all the people or Moses was talking God out of killing all the people. I mean, they're just kind of like they're back and forth. But thank God they didn't have a bad day on the same day, right? And so Moses like, we got to get, okay. So he got 12 guys together. Got 12, he said, y'all going to be the 12 spies. Y'all take your iPhones. Um, one had a droid and he got kicked out and they brought the other guy with an iPhone. I, I like to make it relevant. And they, they went into the promised land and he was like, now take some pictures, make Make sure you get it on landscape for all the video people and, and get it and, 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 you know, walk around, look at the cities and spy it out and come back and tell us what you find. And so they did. They go into the promised land, they spy it out and they come back and they told Moses, they said, well, we've got some good news. We've got some bad news. The good news is that place is awesome. They got gardens and food and meat and vineyards and all kinds of stuff. The bad news is we're going to die. We can't, we can't go in. We can't take it. That's 10 of them. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb were like, no, we can do it. We can do it. God, God said we can do it. We can do it. And, and 10 people, 10 people convinced a whole nation that God's promises were not real. It don't take a lot. It don't take a lot. And watch what happened. Number 14. Then the whole community <laughs> began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Now, if I'm Moses, I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. Bunch of crybabies, right? Watch what they say. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest. Don't worry, it was a mostly peaceful protest, so it didn't get covered by the news. Against Moses and Aaron. Watch this. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. Now, don't miss this. This is the second time they said they wished they had died. God always tries to kill something in us before we step into the promised land. There are people in this room, maybe even this week, you've had suicidal thoughts. And that's the enemy trying to kill you because he knows if you discover who God is and what he wants to do in you and through you, and you step to that next step, you step into the promised land that you will be unstoppable. So they always go back to this. They always go back to this, I wish I had died. 
I wish I had died. I wish we had died. They complain. Watch this. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? God told them they would win. And I know it's scary, but this is the same God that delivered them from slavery. And this is the same God that put an interstate highway through the Red Sea. And this is the same God that provided them with water. And this is the same God that provided them with food every single day. And now they, go out, they got a little fight on their hands and they're scared because they think God brought us to this place to watch us fail. God doesn't bring us to this place to watch us. God brings us to this place and we're looking, we're looking at the future and it's uncertain, but I, have an un, I would rather have an uncertain future with the certainty of the faithfulness of God than a certain future and no relationship. So, so they, they say our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? No, no, it wouldn't be better, guys because you're gonna go back to slavery. See, right before we step into the promised land, the enemy's always trying to get us to go back to slavery. And watch this. Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And God said, okay, that's what y'all wanna do. Here's the deal. Y'all aren't going into the promised land. Y'all gonna spend the next 40 years wandering around the desert. And everybody that's 20 years or older is going to die. Your generation, you wanna die in the desert so bad, you're gonna get what you asked for, and then your children are gonna go in and inherit the promised land. Don't miss this. I saw this one time and it blew my mind. It took 40 days to get Israel out of Egypt but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel because Egypt was here. They had the mindset of a slave. And when you have the mindset of a slave, gratitude. Gratitude's something we have to fight for sometimes. Gratitude's something we get, like when we were singing that song and we were saying, come on my soul, we, we got to command it in ourselves. It's, sometimes it's not natural. We just got to, we just got to dig deep and find it. Everybody in this room's got something you could thank God for. Something. That's why the apostle Paul, he's, he's writing this book. It's a, it's a bestseller. It's a, in fact, it's involved in the bestseller. It's the book of Philippians in the Bible, which is a bestseller. And uh, the book of Philippians, you ever having a bad week, just read the book of Philippians. You can do a chapter a day, four days. And, and keep in mind that the number, the number one word used in the book of Philippians is the word joy. The thing that's fascinating about that is Paul wrote it in prison. You typically don't associate joy in prison, especially not in Paul's days. This wasn't like club fed. This was, this was like prison prison. And Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 4 verse six and seven. He said, don't worry about anything. Pause. Don't you hate it when people quote certain parts of the Bible to you, but leave out the rest? You know, Bible says, don't worry, Pastor Pete. I, I, it, I mean, it does, but it says more than that. Don't worry. Have you ever met the don't worry person and you just want to lay hands on them? Don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. 
tell God what you need. And I love that line right there because Jesus said, by, by the way, but when you tell him, he already knew. But here's, this, this is the magic bullet right here. Watch this. And thank him for all he has done. Paul said, when you're praying about it, when you're worried about it, when you're, when you're worried about it, pray about it. But when you pray about it, you make sure to include gratitude. And what happens when we include gratitude? Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Then, then, after gratitude, you will experience God's peace. How many of you would like a hit off of that peace pipe right there? Yeah. Can't say that in most churches, but I know my people. <laughs> then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. Have you ever seen somebody go through a really, really, really tough time and they just got all this peace and you're like, how do you, how are you so peaceful? But then that happens to you and you're going through a tough time and you're peaceful and you don't understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't, don't get it twisted. The battle is for our hearts and for our minds. And tonight I feel strongly there are people here in the room and watching online, you're so tempted to go back to slavery because it'd just be easy. And God said, if you practice gratitude, you'll, you can take that next step. Now, I, when I preach about stuff, sometimes I get happy and sometimes I get scared. Because like, if I'm going to preach about something, I'm usually going to deal with it that week. So that's why I don't like doing series on spiritual warfare because I'll do a series on spiritual warfare and I, got cra I have crazy dreams, chance my dog gets possessed. I mean, it's, it's insane what'll happen in my house. This relationship series got me a little nervous. You know why? Because when you do a relationship series, everybody starts arguing. If me and Shannon are gonna have an argument, it's gonna be on Saturday night or on Sunday on the way to church. Nobody in this room, listen, you are not a real couple if you haven't had to fight on your way to church and then fake a smile when you walked in. How y'all doing? It's good to see you. It's good to... You're squeezing their hand, but you're squeezing it going, oh, we're going to talk about this later. So this week, the subject was gratitude. So on Tuesday, let me back up. About three weeks ago, it was exactly three weeks ago, I was getting dressed for church on a Sunday morning, and I was, I, I was standing like this. I remember it very clearly. And I was putting my T-shirt on, I looked in the mirror, and my, my abs were popping. I'm 51. If anything's popping in you when you're 51, it's not good. I was like, dang, look at that. Look at that little ab. I'm so proud. And I turned to look at my abs, and this one was out and there was nothing on this side, and I discovered this wasn't an ab. It was a lump. So I started feeling around on it. Like, Shannon, come in here. And she, I mean, she was like, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's definitely, because I wanted her to say that's nothing. So I, I know some people that are in the medical profession, so I got to church, and I was like, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh, well, it could be this, or it could be this, and like, can, I, can I push around on it? I was like, yeah, go ahead pushing around on it, moving it. And like, I wouldn't worry about it unless it got bigger and started hurting. 
the next day, not making this up. I know this sounds like a preacher story because it is a preacher story. And I get so many things wrong, but every once in a while I get something right and I got to share it with y'all because I got this one right. <laughs> and uh, so I, I called my doctor and he said, well, you need to have, um, you need to have an ultrasound. I stopped him. I said, I'm not pregnant, doc. I don't know where you stand in your politics, but I'm not one of those men that think you can have a baby. And if you could have a baby, I don't, I don't want to have a baby. I, I just don't. And he laughed and he said, they, they look for other things other than babies. I was like, oh, well, yeah, s- sign me up then. And he said, then you got to have a CAT scan. And I always laugh when I hear CAT scan because I saw a cartoon once where somebody had to have a CAT scan and they, they took a cat and they, they ran it up and down him. And, and I just think that's funny in my mind. Obviously, it was not funny in the room, but I laughed. So, so I was like, all right, I, I get set up for all this stuff. And, and so this past Tuesday, that's why I got hangry because Shannon and I had to, well, Shannon didn't have to go. She wanted to go. She said, I'll go with you. I said, all right. So we went into AMED and they, I went in with the ultrasound. They put the jelly on my belly and they, it was warm too. It felt good. Um, and and um, I'm not pregnant, but they looked around and saw a bunch of stuff and, and, uh, and then they took me in for the CAT scan. And, and the, the toughest part was being still. They said, you got to be still. I was like, oh, God, how long I got to be still? I got to be still and I'm hungry. And we got out and I went to Chick-fil-A. We pull, I'm not making this up. We pulled up in the driveway and I looked, I noticed the trash can. I was like, I got I to take the trash can out the road. So I'm walking to the trash can. The doctor calls. I was like, hey, what's up? I, I called her by her name. I was like, how you doing? She said, I'm good. She said, I said, everything looked good? Everything all right? She went, um, when the doctor calls and says, um, that's anything that follows, it, you're, you're just freaked out. She said, I need you to go back to the hospital and get another, get another CAT scan. She said, I, I need you to get the one where they inject the dye in you so I can see some stuff. I don't know about you, but that's not the call I wanted. I wanted the call that told me everything's good, everything's fine, everything's great. But in my mind, in that moment, I'm gonna be honest with y'all, I freaked out. I just, I started melting down and then I went to the worst case scenario. I told Shannon, she got in the truck with me. She said, everything gonna be okay? I said, I, I, don't, I don't know, I can't make that promise. And about, for about the first two minutes, of that drive back to the hospital, my mind starts spiraling. Because see, I've already outlived my mom by two years. Genetically, my family did not do me any favors. I got a lump in my belly with a doctor telling me to go back and get it looked at again. But God is my witness. About two or three minutes into that drive, I said, I'm preaching on gratitude on Sunday. So I just looked to my right and there was Shannon. So I said this in my mind. I was like, God, thank you for a wife that's, that's not only with me now, but no matter how bad this gets or no matter if I get sick or not, she's gonna, she's gonna stand by my side and she's gonna stay with me and she loves me. God, thank you for my wife. And I started looking at my truck. I was like, God, thank you that I got this truck. I got a cool truck. I never thought. And I was like, God, thank you that I slept in, I slept inside last night. I slept in a, I slept in a house and 
Then I started thanking him for the clothes that I have on my back. And then I started thanking him, you know what, God, I was, I remember when I was lost and you, and you saved me. And God, and God, when you saved me, you knew every stupid, foolish, sinful thing I was going to do. And you saved me anyway. And God, thank you that when I lost it all and I hit rock bottom, you were there for me and you, you met me and you, you let me fall, but you didn't let me fall far because your faithfulness is too good. And thank you, God, for a second chance. Thank you, God, for second chance church. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for how good you've been to me. If you never gave me another thing, I've lived a life that I could have never imagined. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, God, for what you've done. Thank you for what you're gonna do. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your gratefulness. Jesus, I just wanna thank you for being so good. Right now with heads bowed and eyes closed all across this room, I know you, I know there are people in this room, you're facing, you're facing some issues. Relational, emotional, financial, physical, it's, it's legit. It's a struggle. Just for one moment, take your mind off the struggle and just thank God for something he's done. He's, he's done something in your life. That time, that time he answered that prayer and you didn't think he was going to, that time, he, that time you had a breakthrough and you didn't think it was coming, that time you had a need and he provided. That, that prayer that you didn't tell anybody else about, then God moved and he made himself absolutely clear. I'm telling you, if we will practice the habit of gratitude, fear, anxiety, worry, and depression can't stay where gratitude is. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never ever prayed to receive Christ. You, you've never been set free. You're still in Egypt and you need a relationship with Jesus. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life. I wanna invite you to do that tonight. I wanna invite you to pray and ask Christ into your life right where you stand. And I'm gonna ask you to pray out loud when we pray. But when you pray out loud, you won't pray alone because our whole Second Chance family prays this prayer with you. So if you wanna pray to receive Christ, you pray this out loud as Second Chance fam, let's pray it with them. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to save me from my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wanna pray for you and with you if, you if you just prayed to receive Christ. So if you just prayed to receive Christ all over this room, I want you to do me a favor and raise your hand and keep it up, keep it up real high. Amen, sir, amen. Great, Bobby, keep them up, keep them up. There's lots of hands, lots of hands, lots of hands. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. Amen, amen, all over the room. All, oh my gosh. Please keep them up because I wanna, wanna see each one. Father, in the name of Jesus, you have done a miracle in this house tonight. You have saved souls. You have changed lives. And I pray for every single person with their hand raised, Jesus, that, 
God, just first of all, thank you that they're here tonight. Thank you that they heard the gospel. Thank you that you save and you deliver and you heal. I pray for each one that they would, as they walk out of this place tonight, they would walk out knowing that you are good, that you are faithful, and that you will never leave us or forsake us. Before we leave tonight, let me wrap it up like this. I forgot to do this in the 915 service and I felt so bad. When I went back to get the test, the doctor called me 15 minutes later. She said, you're good, no cancer. She said, you're fine. I said, I said, what is this in my belly then? And she said, it's, 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 and she told me, we, it's, we got a plan. But isn't it funny how God takes us through times like that so we can learn how to be thankful. So as you, as you go home tonight, when you get in the car, thank him for something he's done. When you get to your house, thank him for something he's done. When you wake up in the morning, thank him the first thing that happens when you wake up in the morning and watch him take you from a breakdown to a breakthrough because that's who he is and that's what he does. I love you guys. Can't wait to see y'all next week. Have an awesome, awesome week.